Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Welcome to episode 65 of the Wait Till Distraction podcast. My name's Austin, and you know what, guys? We're going to get right into it. This is another episode from our backlog that should have got out way sooner. Huge shout out to Scott Shear for coming on and talking to us about broadside camo. You guys are going to love this stuff. Go over to their Instagram, check it out. Even before you listen to the episode, just get a feel for what you're looking at. It is unbelievable, guys. You are going to freaking love it. And he's a wealth of knowledge, and he's a good dude. You know, he just got a great freaking product, and you can tell he's really passionate about it. He puts the thought into it, and and you know, that is just something that we really look for in products, and we think it's a really awesome product. So go check it out, and then get right back onto this. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> It is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on but it. I'll, I'll have, um, what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. I, I, I can have it. You, you No, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline dude are you even listening to me right now all right guys on the phone with us tonight we have a special special guest He's coming from Michigan, over the phone waves, Mr. Scott Shearer with Broadside Camo. Uh, he's kind of like the Reno to the Las Vegas in the hunting industry. You know, the, <laughs> That was the weirdest <laughs> analogy ever. <laughs> or the best. I would probably put it best, Scott, but uh, welcome, man. How, how you been? Man, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it very, very much. Um, life's been good, you know, quarantine drama and all that stuff but uh, making the most of it uh, working on the gear working on the sets um, doing inventory trying to do everything i can to keep my mind right and still stay focused awesome awesome how's the weather up there in michigan man uh, i think we hit 59 for the first time this year so it's today was a, a beautiful bluebird day sun was shining birds were chirping saw some flowers bloom so spring is officially here in michigan it was awesome day today 
that's cool. That's yeah, cool. cool. It, did you notice how how green everything is getting a little a lot earlier this year than prior years? I don't know if it's like that in Michigan, but Pennsylvania is starting to green up pretty heavy. Uh, sadly, no. We're getting we had a lot of gray days. We had late snow. we had a late snow. I think about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So it's oh, we're yes. not quite seeing that. But man, I, I'd love to have it. Yeah, yeah. We got the rain. You kind of got stuck with the snow. Sorry about that. Deal. <laughs> 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 That's the difference in latitude from Michigan to Ohio, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, before we get into too much, Scott, why don't you tell us where you're from, what you do for a living, who you are, a little bit of the fun stuff. Yeah, sure. I uh, my name's Scott Shear. Um, I'm the uh, owner, designer, creator of Broadside Camo. I love long walks on the beach and sitting by the fire and uh, drinking drinking scotch. No. So I'm, I'm a medical medical rep by trade and career. Um, I'm an avid bow hunter by passion, and I am a creator and entrepreneur uh, by design and desire. Uh, I'll go so far to say serial entrepreneur. I've had a couple different projects, started a nonprofit. This is, I guess, technically my fourth company that I've owned, um, and probably, hands down, actually, no, probably about it, hands down my favorite and most enjoyable. Because it gives me good excuse and reason to get outside. I'm a native Texan who married a woman from Michigan who I met in Miami, and now I'm living in Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) That is wild. (laughs) Yes. So iHeartRadio Music Festival, thank you very much. I appreciate the introduction, and uh, thank you for my wife and my two boys. Man, that is a hell of a backstory. Yeah, as usual, the woman gets her ways, and you're in Michigan, not Texas. Yes. Yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> I can dig it. I can dig it. Yeah. That's all right. She lets you play, you know. She lets you play around, and you can be creative and run your business. You just have to live in Michigan. Not a big deal. Pretty much. And she's got a great family unit. Really, really does. Her brother-in-law is awesome. Her dad and mom are all awesome. Um, it, it's really been great for our boys and for her. You know, she... I was able to convince her to move down to Texas, who wouldn't want to, but she came down to Texas for the first four years of our courtship and marriage, um, and then once we had our first son, Cole, it was both of us were like, okay, let's let's go ahead and get up north and get next to some good family unit, family structure, cousins, aunts and uncles, stuff like that. So, yeah, Doing it for the right reasons. Absolutely. Are you enjoying the seasons? You don't have many seasons down in Texas, I would Not, imagine. No, it's just kind of like hot and cool. And then that's really it. Um, I do. I, ironically, this is my third stint in Michigan. Um, so the, the cold, I actually enjoy the cold. I don't enjoy the length, but I do enjoy the actual cold, having it. Uh, I love the seasons. I love watching the fall. We we sit on about a, just under an acre property right on a little small little pond. Um, and across this, uh, we look out our front window and across the street is this big open field area. And so we have kind of like this little wildlife or, you know, wooded feeling and we're like a mile off the highway, you know, there, it's mass city, you know, it's a little, uh, well, sleeper town, if you will. It's, we're in the burbs, but it, it feels like this nice little wooded area. So we, we watch geese fly in ducks, you know, come cupping into the pond on, you know, on the water there. We'll see deer and turkey through the yard. It's, it's wonderful. It's my little bliss of outdoor heaven in a suburban area. It's pretty nice. That sounds awesome. man. a little best of both yeah. worlds action. Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, especially for my my career, medical career, I, I I cover the whole state of Michigan, so I put a lot of miles on. Um, so I've got to be able to go east, west, north, and south equally well. So I 
I jump onto the highway, you know, we, we pick bright in the town that I'm in strategically for that purpose. And it turns out that it's just this beautiful wetland lake chain area. That's got really good wooded timber. And we just kind of dropped right in the middle of it. Total hand of God thing. Um, considering we bought the house site on scene is pretty awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean, Michigan, I, I it's, it's up north, you know. The north is always greater than the south. So, I mean, we could, we we talked a lot of stuff on Walter Lee with the Chasing Tales podcast, um, and we always tell him that the north is uh, the north will always rise over the south, but he does not. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh I gotta, my! I got to bite my tongue. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I, I I've, it, Michigan has treated me very well. I, I will say that, and you know what. It was funny because my family, not my, both my mother and my father, not Texans, um, not Southerners. Well, my dad was South Carolina, but my mom was not. Both of them were like, oh, just the values in Michigan. They're, they're just not what they are in Texas. You know, the people there, they're not as nice. And I was like, well, you know, okay, man, whatever. And now, after two years, I'm like, you guys are just full of crap. You don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. Like, people in the Midwest are really, really nice. Yeah. They're really genuine. They're really honest. You typically know exactly where you stand with them because they can be pricks if they don't <laughs> like you. Yeah. But at least you know where you are with them. <laughs> I, I totally respect that. And if they love you, man, your family to them. So I, I, I really do have a lot more, a lot more respect for the Midwest than I did before. Yeah, now, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, I've, I've done a few trips out to Illinois hunting, and I've never in my life experience the hospitality and the friendliness that you experience going out to the Midwest. I mean, the people there, you walk into a place and you immediately become part of the conversation in that place. Um, that's nothing like from where we're from. I mean, you literally walk past people here on the streets. They don't get looked in the eye. You go oh, out, wow. to, you do that and you're uppity. And that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah yeah they're they're pretty cool people out there though it's just a laid-back lifestyle it's it's then mm -hmm. I, I would love to to enjoy going out there but what i wanted to get to was you spend a lot of time in the vehicle are you listening to podcasts you listen to music are you spend a lot of time just in the quiet thinking of products what are you doing on a lot of that drive time Sadly, uh, because of the nature of my business, I do a lot of, I don't want to say multitasking, but I'm bouncing from text messages. Yeah, I admit it. I text while I drive way too much. Um, uh, phone calls. You know, I'm calling hospitals. I'm calling clients. I'm calling surgery centers, trying to get in. Who's going to be available today? So I'm trying to route. And then if I, if I know I'm going, let's say, a 40-minute drive, I'll probably be on two business calls in between. I'll listen to NFL radio through Sirius, which I listen to all the time. If it's not that, it's it's Sirius SF. You know, it's uh, um, the soccer um, or Christian music, and then podcasts are with my long drives. So if I'm going for an hour plus, I get my calls out of the way. I know I'm going to have 20 or 30 minutes. That's when I turn on my podcasts. Very there cool. Very cool. Yeah. We like to hear that. Yeah, yeah I, I love. I I had never really did until about a year ago, a year and a half ago. My brother-in-law introduced me into him, and man, I'm I'm really grateful for it. It, it it's almost as good as a uh, a book, you know, the book Audible books. I mean, you yep. get into a good one or a good series, and you come to know the host, you come to feel understand who they are and what they're doing. You can really 
really enjoy the content. It's 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 a blessing for sure. Yeah, we've made some really strong friendships over podcasts and you know other podcasters, and it's weird because you almost feel like you know the person and you've never even met them. Right. Right. So yeah. it's it's pretty cool. We really enjoy it. We have a lot of fun with it. Ozzy. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I was obligatory. Was... Yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, right? You're Bueller. Fun, right? Bueller. <laughs> no, I was looking at Instagram. I'm sorry. I was trying to pull up the broadside camo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of broadside camo, let's get into it, man. So, yeah. what and how? I mean, I know it's your passion, and that's kind of how what probably fuels a lot of people in the industries. Um, you know passion to kind of uh grow a building or start start i'm sorry grow a business or start a business but where did it come up for you how did you how did it become a business or an idea from the start um so in 2012 i go i, I get onto a piece of property for the first time at least in texas and i'm able to hunt and i I was originally planning, like, my, my father's military, right? So he's Marine Corps, so I'm trying to be Billy Badass and do some of the things that he's doing. He's talking about shooting irons at 500 yards. So I'm like, man, that's rad. Do some long-range, you know, whitetail kills. I think that'd be BA for sure. And then I realized that I can get an extra month of hunting if I pick up a bow. So I Craigslist it because they didn't have Marketplace and Facebook and all that other stuff at this point that we have now so easy. I Craigslist a guy and he's got two bows. So I go, you know, buy the bows and the arrows and all the kinds of stuff. And I outfit my gear and I'm like, sweet, I can go hunting starting October 1st. Well, in central Texas, that's hot as balls. And I mean, <laughs> sweaty, like stanky. That's hot. It's yeah. uncomfortable, bad. And in, and that, you know, I, I go to a store to get all my gear and, and down there is Academy sports going outdoors. It's kind of like a, a Dunham's if you're in the Midwest or a, Shields, if you're over in the Wisconsin area, Iowa area, it's you know it's a good sized store that's got a couple states, but nothing like over the top. And what I realized is that everything that I got there was just all the leftover stuff that Realtree and Mossy Oak made for the Midwest that they just sent down to Texas. And so I'd, I'm wearing this long sleeve shirt and I'm wearing these heavy non breathable pants, and it's like 95 degrees and it is miserable, and I'm sweating my fanny off. And I, I know that if I'm sweating, moisture breeds uh, bacteria, bacteria breed odor. So I'm just shooting myself in the foot all day long. I can't control it. And I was, one of my my first projects and my first company was I was making athletic arm sleeves. You know, the Wickings type that most athletes wear nowadays as a commonplace. I was making those as fundraisers for high schools and for nonprofit organizations. Super interesting. Yeah, and it—I mean, just total happenstance, right? Yeah. How do you start it? How do you start a textile or fabric or a clothing line, unless you have some kind of end? It, it just—it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> um, so I, I contact my manufacturer and I'm like, "Hey, you can put any imagery you, I want, right?" I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. That's what we've been doing for two years now. Okay, yeah, you're right. So I—I I had a shirt made and sleeves made and a face cover made from pictures that I took of my property from my iPhone. And when I say iPhone, remember 2012, this is like iPhone 4 because I was still behind the times. Yep. It may have been an 8 megapixel camera at best. And I took a little subsection of it and then I blew it up. So I had like all fuzzy distorted, but it, it looked like Central Texas. Huh. 
And I was like, man, like, because Central Texas, it, real tree mossy oak, your standard AP and your breakup that you could buy in the store at readily does not look like Central Texas, period. No questions asked. That's just not it. And I went, man, I can make garments that look more like what I want. And the wicking concept of those that the removable arm sleeves and the wicking material for the cyclist wear, the, what we now know is normal, casual wear for most guys. That technology was at my fingertips. And I said, you know, what? I, I just need to put these pieces together. Yeah. And so I did. And I did this little prototype run. And I, I come walking in from the field one day. And my brother-in-law, who I was on um, on the property with, who's, now mind you, he's 20 years older than I am. He's been hunting by this point at 35 years. And he thinks I'm a moron. <laughs> I come walking in from the field. And he goes, dude, I, I only saw your head floating to me. It was so gnarly to watch you walk in from the field. I could not make it out. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, it's what you, whatever you have there is really good. I was like, okay. So I, I went to the local bow shop and I said, Hey, can I put this in your store? Um, Mike Lucky's his name. If you're out there, Mark, thank, Mike, thank you so much. You gave me my start. Um, he was the former owner of um, archery country in Austin, Texas. Awesome. And so I, I approached him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm, I've got this idea. I don't know anything about hunting, but I know that I think I've got something. I, I've, I've been told that this stuff looks good. It feels comfortable. It made a difference for me when I was hunting. And he goes, yeah, here, um, I've got a barbecue coming up. By this time, it's now 2013, fall of 2013. He goes, I've got this, you know, kind of season kickoff barbecue coming. Why don't you bring some of your gear, set up outside. We're going to have some vendors. going to have a bunch of people coming in. See what you can sell. And if you, if you do well, then I'll, maybe I'll carry some. All right. So I've got shirt arm sleeves, face covers, all this wrong size because China knows how to make stuff for Chinese people, not for Americans. Size <laughs> charts are different. Um, and they're the wrong colors, wrong size. I just had those three pieces in like four hours. I sold like 1300 bucks. And I went, oh, snap. I Wow. Holy cow. Man, I really need to pay attention to this. I've got something. i got to figure it out. And basically from that point on i was i was addicted one there's a there was a problem solving concept that i needed to figure out a puzzle two i knew that i had buyers that were resonating with what i was trying to do and three i had the means with the manufacturing hookup that i already had and away we went what more can you really ask for on that man i mean (laughs) (laughs) realistically i mean you got you got guys that want what you got it looks awesome it's working for the most part you know lightweight yeah i want to boost the confidence you bring it up to a barbecue not expecting much at all because oh yeah you know how awkward is that to begin with you're gonna go meet a bunch of guys you don't know and bring some product and then all of a sudden it just blows off the shelves and yeah (laughs) exactly and that was the one uh okay um, and so then it was, you know, I'm down there in central Texas and I, I, I know Texas is big enough and I, this isn't like, a Texas is great, although it is, Texas <laughs> is just so large. When you look at it on a map, it's just so huge. And the amount of space that it takes up, there's a really big variance in the geography and the fauna of what Texas looks like. If, you know, if you go to Lubbock, you're going to see mountains and flat terrain and grays and browns. If you go to the East, you're going to see piney woods your really sharp vivid greens you know your, your darker timber if you go down in the south you're going to see mesquites you're going to see your, your tans your dirt you know those kind of lighter fady mesquite type colors and in central texas you're going to get the whole gambit from oaks to cedar to all kinds of stuff 
I went, you know, I could build a camo company just doing the various designs of Texas, and I could be more than sufficient. Yeah. You know, it's, here I, I can I can create my whole line just for Texas hunters. Well, I made the mistake and the blessing of I went to Arkansas to do an expo, and then I went to Louisiana to do an expo, and then I went to Oklahoma to do an expo. And I've got guys that are buying my gear saying it looks great, they love it, they want more of it. And then when in Oklahoma, like, hey, this is great for like up until middle of November, but because your stuff is so lightweight, now I'm freezing off, I'm freezing. I need heavier gear. <laughs> well, then heavier gear comes out, and now I need different designs. And, and so it, it just started to snowball and not not in a negative way, which snowball typically means a bad thing. It just went, hey, look, there's a bigger demand than what you realize you have. And that, that demand, instead of just being Texas, could really go all the way up through the Midwest and into New York. And within like two years, I had sales in Germany and Australia, New Zealand and Spain wow. and Washington and Maine. It was just like, how am I getting global sales? And I'm two years old. This is insane. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I made some bad choices. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I, I think I want to put my money into this design and we, I want to go this route and I want to answer everybody's problems. Well, I got away from who I wanted to be as a, as a camo company. Cause I, I'm a tree stand guy, right? Just like all, most bow hunters are. And my first miss, the original birthplace was I got busted. I went down to where the buck was. I looked back up to where I was and I saw skylight. Yeah. Well, I'm doing all these ground patterns and these evergreens and, Stuff that wasn't what I, the reason I created the company. I went, you know what? I got to get back to it. And so I had like 3,000 left in the bank. I've got two expos down in central Texas that were, or in Texas that were left. It's looking bleak. And my wife is, I think we had a, yeah, we had a son that had arrived three months earlier, our first son. She's like, you're doing expos. You're, you're focusing on this stuff. It's not going well. Just, just close down broadside camo. You need to let it go. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, man. She goes, just, we can take the 3K, it goes to our bank, you know, we, whatever we want to do with it, just just let, leave it alone. Yeah. And I went, no, I can't do it. I'm No. And I said, you know what? I, I've, I've got this design that I've personally hunted for about two years now that I've never shown anybody. And it, it, it goes back to my roots. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a last run. I'm going to make a run of this. I'm going to launch this design, and if it falls on my, if I fall on my face, then at least I went down swinging. And that was the birthplace of the closer, what's now known as the closer. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the, the the darker green and white. It's it's gone viral, million hits on it. Um, and I, I put the I put the image out on July 13th at like four o'clock, and by noon on the 14th, it had quarter million hits and sales were just blowing up on the site and i was like what the hell <laughs> and my wife was going you can't quit <laughs> you, need to, you need to you need to order more of this stuff real fast oh, um, and and broadside's had a different track ever since so wow. it's, it's been great it's been a really good three years since then no it really is an unbelievable pattern man i mean if you put it in the right scenario you're invisible oh I mean, it is invisible. It's absolutely yeah. mind-blowing. If you look at the pictures, go over to his Instagram, Facebook, wherever you want to look at it, and just check it out. And it's, like, mind-boggling. It messes with your eyes so bad. Yep. Yeah, it does. And, it, and to, to those that are listening that are actually going to take that step and go, look, hopefully there's a lot of you. 
know that all of those are raw. I don't do any Photoshop. I don't do any, you know, just stand here in the perfect way. I mean, probably all of you have seen the Realtree ad where this guy's in full draw and he looks like he's disappeared, but for somehow the camera is like level with him 20 feet in the tree and he's got this mountain behind him and you're like, what? Yeah. That's not, that's not how it, the real world is. When you make a mistake in the tree stand and that buck or that doe snaps their head up and looks, that's not the setting. Oh, uh, man. You yeah. just brought up a commercial I remember from when I was a kid. Man, they're still wanting it. And and you know what was funny is like how many people it was the commercial how many people can you see here, and all of a sudden guys are like stepping out from behind trees they're laying down behind logs I'm like wait there's I like fifteen dudes there yeah. <laughs> I played hide and seek I know how it works but that's not the point <laughs> that's not the point <laughs> yeah. but I I would agree and I I was going to actually make another point that what I appreciate is it's not just you that post pictures. Um, you know, other guys are posting pictures, and I literally cannot find them in the picture. And that's when I was like, okay, I got to get this guy on. Because that right there sells it. And like you said, maybe if someone sees it on your page and the, and they just come across and they're like, well, yeah, he's he's playing the picture. Right. When you see it from third party and they literally disappear, it's, it's eye-opening. And it's very impressive. Um, you know, and it, and it is, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing pattern. Um, and I, I appreciate that you still run the closer and, um, on your site and that you're still running that, that one that kind of broke you through. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's never going to go away. And matter of fact, I think I've only just improved upon it by adding the next one, um, adding the Omega with it to make it reversible. So now you're getting, you have the capability of getting two patterns completely different in one garment reversible you can't find that anywhere that doesn't exist no that's that's i'm not trying to plug there but <laughs> that is a solid plug man plug away <laughs> <laughs> yeah the closures it's going to be a staple forever yeah i was mentioning that to austin i was like dude they're reversible well what do you mean reversible there's a pattern on both sides and they're both equally amazing and totally different, yes. Yeah. And totally different, yeah. Yep. Well, that being yep. said, let's get into it. Let what, what are the packages and stuff that you have? What are the different systems you have, everything? Let's go yeah. into it a little bit. Um, so I, I was actually just kind of discussing that with my wife, actually, a little bit earlier today. Um, so what I currently have are four different systems, um, and I'm going to be consolidating down to two. Okay. Um, so nobody panic. You're still going to be able to have what you want. Um, so the closer, the original closer, is the one that went famous. It's um, an upward tilting springtime, not springtime. Uh, it's a, a, a dominantly green and light transference white pattern. You, it's an oak. It's a picture of an oak tree, so you can imagine what that looks like. You've got your hard gray and black oak uh, bark. You've got your greens, your various shades of green, and then you've got white light transference. That's called the closer. The reason why we named it the closer is it's a baseball theme. It just kind of feels like October. You know, put those two together, you got it. I'm with you know, that's when you want to seal the deal, who do you bring in? You bring in the closer, that kind of thing. That's um, right. Omega, which is the end, is a post-leaf fall or winter deciduous drop. So perfect right now for turkey season if you're in the Midwest or the North. As you're going to head it up to Turkey and you've got all those greens and golds and reds and browns that fell 
from the fall before, that's what's going to be sitting on the ground right now. That's what you're going to be doing your turkey hunting in. That design is brilliant as the ground pattern currently or at the end of fall. Um, and then the design called Vapor is a post-cold snap tree stand base. So I've basically cut your body in half left to right with a light and a dark. You've got a tree trunk going up one side and you've got light open light transference due to the empty or the bare branches on the, on the right-hand side. So those are the three major designs. So right now there's a line called closer. That's all by itself. And it's just a single pattern, single layer, the closer. Well, I'm going to go away with that one because you have what's called VersaLite or reversible and versatile. You get the play on words there. Versa. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. VersaLite for lightweight. So VersaLite is the combination of the closer design and the Omega design on one gear. Basically take your shirt off, flip it inside out, take your pants off, flip it inside out, take your face cover out, off, flip it inside out, and you got a whole new set. So with that, you can do spring turkey right now, whether you're walking into a timber area, which you're going to want that deciduous browns and golds that we talked about, or as, as you either, one, go approach a field edge that has more green, you can flip to the closer, or as you get later into season now, as everything becomes green, now you can just run that whole green and white pattern together all the way through. Then you've got that same capability on the back end into the fall. Um, some guys are duck hunting with it, turkey hunting with it. Um, you get into early bow season, you're running your tree stand set that way, or you're doing a spot and stalk on the ground, you can flip and mismatch as you see fit. For me personally, when I do a stalk, I want that omega, that bottom, that ground layer look on my pants, and then I want my closer as the top. So they don't match, but if you think of it from a perspective of a horizon and a light transference, it gives my body a, a sense of a horizon on my chest and what should blend into the bottom of the floor, the timber floor on my, on my legs. Which breaks up that human pattern. Correct. You know, once again, it's breaking it up. Oh, man. It um, gives your body horizon. It gave my body chills. That was awesome. All right. well, <laughs> and, and then I still have what I just launched uh, just here just a month ago um, is the Ascender series uh, for mobile hunters. Yeah. Um, tree stand and saddle. And that is the first of its kind anywhere by any, any clothing manufacturer, any camo manufacturer, designed specifically for tree stand and saddle hunters. Well, what does that mean if you're not a saddle guy? If you're a tree stand guy, um, I've, I've put pocket placements and functionality utility into both your jacket and your pants that you've not had before because of the position that you're put into, whether that's seated or standing, that this garment provides for you. Because you're mobile and you're trying to get deep into a public land or you've got your private sets that you're going to sit you know, elevated for all day long. You need pockets that don't have to weigh down your jack, your weigh down your pack. If I can reduce the weight of your pack and put distributed across your body, it's going to feel lighter. Those kinds of things, those kind of functionalities to it. From a saddle perspective, if you're a saddle hunter and you're following this craze like I did, when you wear a saddle and the bridge and the hip belts pinch, there's a different functionality and it causes problems. And this series adjust, addresses that specifically. You're just speaking to me right now, man. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> both of us got into saddle hunting last year. Just the way that my clothes fit with the saddle on was horrible. 
It was horrible. so uncomfortable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you try to get into like a hooded jacket or a hoodie and the bunch up and you lose yes. pockets and it's yes. very because I, I appreciate pockets. I love pockets. And when you start to lose them in the saddle game, now you start to use your I use my saddle a lot, like the pouches and different things. Well, then you have to move extra because you have to reach into awkward areas to grab things out of. So it was like, a, you know, a double-edged sword. You know, I love the way that the saddle offers as far as a hunting opportunity and benefit, but you lose a lot of the functionality of your clothing. Yeah, yep. that's what I'm trying to return, if not increase to you. Exactly. Yes, I love the Ascender series. Um, I saw you on your, your recent, I was messaging you from our group page on the most recent uh, live video that you did out in the rain, like a complete psychopath. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dan, I, I can't get over the idea for the bridge going through the jacket like that's yeah. absolutely brilliant thank you what but i want you to get into the all like more of the details you know all the stuff you covered kind of on that video because i i there's a lot going on with the ascender series yeah there is a lot a lot <laughs> a lot a lot a lot <laughs> a lot my a lot. manufacturers and if, if they could hit me if i wasn't abroad they'd probably hit me in person um <laughs> But they also they they hated it when I first challenged them with it. Now they love it because it's so intricate and so amazing. That right. what they've said is a lot of the other stuff seems boring to them now. Um, so the the jacket what really sets it apart from a saddle perspective is if all of you are saddle guys, you know what that means when that bridge rises up. You get into that upward angle as you take tension into it, and it causes your jacket or your hoodie to to pinch to the middle and it rises up, and so you leave that you know, your belly button or your, your stomach exposed or you get a draft or it, it pulls up the back of your jacket or your hoodie and you get a draft up the backside. Yeah, it's like a wind tunnel. Wind tunnel. Yeah. And so you get this channel right between the cheeks and up the spine that's just like, I don't want this. <laughs> um, and I, again, I, I, not to toot my horn, but I, I knew enough to know that I didn't know what I was getting into with saddle. And I said, hey, I, I have the ability to change gear and so I started talking to people that I respected and say, what are the problems with saddle hunting? What are the issues? I'm seeing X. Are you seeing the same things? And what do you think of these ideas? And so in having those conversations, I started, okay, here I can, I can hone in and, and fine tune what I did. So I had about nine guys running through pro, running prototypes last fall. Um, so I, I was already ahead of it, thankfully. Um, so in this if you imagine a jacket, you can't see me and you can't see my hands. Unfortunately, I can't show you. But you imagine a traditional jacket. Just lay it on the on the bed or on the floor in front of you. You've got your, your zipper right down the front. Well, as you look at it, you're going to have your traditional hip pockets that your hands go into or right in front of your hips. That's where your hands live. Well, what that needs to be is space for your bridge and for your bridge loops to come out. So I originally put zippers in there. And it, that it worked. It worked well enough, but it just it was kind of hinky, kind of kind of locked up a little bit. The functionality wasn't quite smooth. So what I, I, I adjusted to was two snaps. So there's a snap right in front of your hips, above about six inches, seven inches above the the bottom of the jacket, and then snaps to close the jacket completely. So as you stand up, you put your saddle on, you put your jacket on, you undo those snaps, you pass your bridge through. Now that flap 
that has your zipper can tuck in underneath your bridge. You snap them back, and now the jacket's going to lay flat across your stomach and flat across the back of your, your back or your butt the way the jacket is supposed to. Now when you take tension in on your line and on your bridge, it's, it's going to be perfectly the way that it's supposed to. But what, if you're a saddle guy, where do your hands supposed to go? <laughs> you, these hands need to go somewhere. I don't want to just let them dangle. <laughs> so I, I, took, I put two pockets basically right on the, the, out, the lateral side of each hip or the outside of each hip. And I call that a dump pocket. It's perfect for a rangefinder. It's perfect for ropes, a coat, a, you know, a bottle of water. Um, you can put your hands into it, but it's not they're not insulated. They're just more of a utility functional think of a, a half of a cargo pocket, if you will. Yeah. It's like a dump pouch in your coat. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. I Love like that. It. And you've got two of them on either side. Nice. Um, the the other part you mentioned about the dump pouches is the material of a dump pouch and of a jacket are totally different. Yeah. So as you go into your dump pouch, that hard canvas that tends to be louder and more scratchier. Well, I don't want that sound. I'd rather go into a soft shell material that's that will absorb whatever sound it puts out. It's going to be muted, if anything. Yeah. So that's there. Well, if I have those cargos or dump pockets, if you will, I, I looked at the duck hunters. Not being a duck hunter myself, I looked at what they do, and I saw that lateral, again, right there at the armpit zipper where they put their hands in, where they basically hold their pecs. I put that pocket into my jacket. So now it's your hands just kind of drop into this really natural, comfortable position. They're right there over the top of your bridge. You can make a very small movement when the time comes to get your bow and to get your release onto your string. And now you're functional without having to big, do a big hand movement. I can um, really appreciate that, man. Honestly, that that's kind of – I noticed before, like this past season when I was saddle hunting, I was kind of always putting my arms over my bridge and leaning them on my bridge because that was kind of – that was the comfortable part for me to put it. You know what I mean? So if because I could put your my comfortable pockets were gone. Exactly. So you were forced to do it. Exactly. And, and having those pockets there to be able to put my arms or my hands in, that just, it makes sense to me. That's awesome. I can appreciate that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I actually went out and bought one of those little, uh, those hand pouches that you run around your body. Yep. It's for that factor is because you lost your pockets and my hands would freeze. It's like, there's nowhere to put my hands. Yep. I had to do the same thing. Yeah, I went out and bought one of those, but to be honest, to carry one of them in the woods, they're, you know, they're not the <laughs> smallest of things. They're bulky. Um, they're not always efficient either because sometimes they're typically very heavy weight, um, yeah. very warm. But if you just want, you know, a nice cool fall, that's probably too much. You're not going to bring that in with you every right. time. Agreed. You know, but I have something like that, those pocket options in your jacket that you can work with the saddle. Oh, man, you're speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fun doesn't stop there. <laughs> um, so I, if you guys are anything like me and a lot of the trend is to, to get deeper, carry more or carry lighter is probably a more appropriate term. Yep. Carry everything and everything you need in a lighter format. Well, I was talking to a guy well-known in the community. I think Greg Staggs. He's done a lot of riding for bow hunting and doing some stuff on saddle. Very familiar. Um, and, you know, he made a statement that I thought was just so poignant and well-taken. He goes, I don't carry my kill kit in. Why? You know, I shoot five or six a year, and I hunt 60 to 70 times. Why do I need to take my kill kit in every single time? 
I was like, wow, I, you know, I never really thought of that. Yeah, I just of added weight. It's just stuff, right? Yeah. And it's not a lot. Like, let's be honest, Kill Kit isn't that much, but no. it's something. Yeah. You know, and it takes up space. You have to have a pocket. You know, I, if you're anything like me, it's like, well, I might run into this situation, so I got to take it. Well, I might run into that situation. I got to take it. Yep. Well, your common denominator for most of us is a pretty thin select stuff, right? You don't need a whole, whole lot. And you're typically not that far away. If you want to take a medical kit, perfect. I love that. I'm all for that. Be safe about it. But beyond that, what are the things you need? Your binos, your grunts, maybe some scent, food. Range finder. Range finder. Yeah. Like, none of those things are really big and bulky and require a full backpack. And so as I was, and you know, water or a coffee or whatever your choice may be. And I, as I was thinking through that, I was like, man, I... I really just don't need all this stuff. And so I spent the year trying to trying to shed the weight of a backpack or what was in my backpack. And so it, it made me be more deliberate when I was getting ready at the stand. And, and to some degree, it, it made some walk-ins a little bit more challenging. But as I got used to it, it became more normal and it, it, it's a nothing. Um, but things like water bottles, I put two pockets on the back of the jacket right there at your kidneys. And I took that from cycling. The first jacket I ever made, the first company that I ever worked with when I was making the stuff, they were a a cycling manufacturer. They did the sleeves that I did. They did the shirt that was too small. They made a jacket that was too small, (laughs) but they made a cycling jacket. So they had the pockets that ran across the back. And again, my wife just hated that. She made fun of me for it. But now that I look back and I I had missed it for years, like, you know what? I sit here in this tree as a tree stand hunter before I got in the saddle and I want a place for my water bottle. And I, I don't want to have to get into my pocket. I don't want to have to carry in some kind of strap or system to hold a water bottle. I just want pockets on my kidneys to hold it, just like cyclists do. Why have I not? Why am I not doing this? <laughs> so when the opportunity came with this series, I was like, I have to put them back in. They're coming in. Doesn't matter. Boom, done. <laughs> um, and then the other really big issue for me is, as a saddle guy was my platform. And I, I run too. And I'll be honest, I'm again, I'm the overkill guy, right? Okay. Um, but I also have um, really good relationships and friendships with uh, Matt Garris from Out on a Limb. Big fan of Matt Garris. Huge. He's, a, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And I was petitioning him to get into Saddle making platforms before he got into it. I was like, can you please make me a platform? I just got into Saddle. Can you please do it? And he's like, nah, no, I'm not really interested. <laughs> he's like, I'm trying to work on this camera arm and I'm working on these tree stands. I'm like, dude, please just make me a Saddle platform. He's like, no, I'm, I'm covered up. And then some other guy sends him a message asking him to make a platform for Saddle. And he goes, hey, I think I should make Saddle's you know, platforms for Saddle. And I'm like, <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, and now, I just and, happened to be. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. he he you know knocked out the Ridge Runner and gave me one, thankfully. Um, and then he also knocked out, he's the designer of the, the first generation perch. He's the designer of the perch that is now licensed through Wild Edge. He's the brain behind it. Yeah. Um, and since I have a, I got access, I became friends with Andrew of Wild Edge. He's been on the podcast. We're friends. He's a good dude. Good, very good dude. Yeah. He's just down to earth. He wants to do what he wants to do, and he wants to make good stuff for people. And Matt and I, the three of us, really just kind of have that same mentality. And we're like, dude, hey, how do we help each other? What can we do here? Let's go. Boom, boom. Let's just make good stuff for people. Um, and so I, I got. I got some wild edge steps and I got a perch. And so I was like, sweet. Well, I found myself having to strap in 
the ridge runner on my pack. And that's ultimately what my backpack became through my whittling down process. Everything's on my person. It's on my leg. It's in my, you know, the pockets of my legs, it's on the pockets of my jacket or my hoodie. Um, or I, I just do it with my dump pouch and that's got everything I want. And my backpack was my vessel for my bow and for my platform. Okay. Well, then I had the perch and I still needed this perch. I needed a place for the perch. And what I was doing was I would tuck it in and, I would use the two little hooks on it that snap into place on the step, wild edge step. Right. I would put that on my the waistband of my saddle or the back of my saddle. I'd allow my backpack to compress it into it and hold it in place. And so one time I'm climbing up the tree and I make this little move and sure enough, it had come undone and it falls to the bottom. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, all right, <laughs> go back down, get it, come back up. And I said, why am I not making a pocket for this thing? So I call up Drew and said, hey, dude, I wanna, I'm making a new series. You're testing one of it. I want to make a pocket to fit your perch. Are you okay with that? And he goes, dude, I think that's awesome. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I specifically cut and restructured a pocket in the middle of the back of the, seri- of the Ascender Series jacket that fits the perch perfectly. So all you have to do is lift it up. You don't have to tie it down. You don't have to hold it. There's not a button. It just drops in, slides right out. Really simple. You reach to the small of your back, you flip your wrist, and it's out. It's just wonderful. So, so simple. Um, and it's it's made that. I've done, you know, obviously, testing climbs since, since I got it about two months ago. And it's just been an absolute dream. It's so much easier. I love it. Man, that sounds awesome, honestly. And I actually watched your pitch for that and i saw you pull uh, the perch out of the back and i was like dude that is freaking sweet <laughs> <laughs> like magic trick right yeah <laughs> well and you talk about convenience and time you know when you try to get up and you want to get set up as quickly and quietly as possible i mean that thing's in its own pocket it's not banging off anything else you right. can pull it quickly you can put it on the tree fast and it with very little motion or effort you know, right. nobody likes to be hanging up in the tree fussing with your, your oh. lap, you know, in the middle of the night or, you know, early morning hours, which is what I meant. But, you know, nobody wants to do that. So if you can just pull it right out of your back pocket, put it onto a step, and you're up and in in seconds. Yeah, that's it's wonderful. Yeah. Yep. And then the last but not least, I, I made the jacket. I, I put zippers on the sleeves and the hood. So if you're not a hood guy, take the hood off. Um, but the zippers on the sleeves allows you to run it as a vest. So again, temperature management, that kind of my backbone on that is, is really important. So you can unzip these such that you can slide your arms out, still have the sleeves attached and mitigate those, those days and mornings that you've got 20 and 30 degree temperature swings. The jacket helps you do that stuff by running it as a vest or a full on jacket. And then that's, that's the ascender jacket. Pretty cool, man. There's a lot going on in that packet. <laughs> I'm just kind of trying to wrap my head around the whole thing. And, and honestly, if I could just push everybody to your Instagram to watch you kind of run through it, that would be the best way for I for me to really like yeah. explain it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. the visual really helps. Really yeah, helps. No doubt. It's, it's all visual for sure. Oh, it's unbelievable, though. Now, before we get into the pants, Scott... Uh, you made a mention about, you know, what you need for a backpack, and I started thinking, and I'm sitting here 
you know, my biggest thing for the backpack usually is carrying clothes in among everything else. It's usually clothes because I like to go in light. I don't want to sweat a whole lot. And I think that's something that you preached about, you know, the removal of the sleeves and, and turning that jacket into a vest to kind of help mm-hmm. vent your, your heat out. Is that the solution to, you know, carrying a bunch of clothes in with me all the time? Well, that, that, you know, the buyer, you're not buyer beware, but that's going to be your pick of the poison, right? So some guys are going to be, yeah, like my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law gets dressed to the hilt right at the truck and he walks everything in like he's going to hunt and 10 degrees. Yeah. That's his whole tread. And of course he's comes down. He's like, God, I'm sweating my ass off, blah, blah, blah. Well, dude, don't pack your jacket in. You know what the case is going to be. So yeah, I, I pack my jacket in too. And as I, as I was thinking about that, I was like, Oh man, you know, I, I'm doing all this fun, wonderful stuff for the jacket. So what do I do? I just got rid of the pocket and all these things that were so great about my, you know, my ingenuity. And so my answer was, oh, we'll just switch it to a hoodie. Yeah, you can do that. So now we're going to have hoodies, too, that has the same effect. So your cold weather stuff, walk in, in your hoodie. It's a lightweight hoodie. Walk in with that. Keep your pack, you know, tight in your jacket. Or as I do it, I don't put my jacket in my bag. I just wrap my bow with my jacket so that when I'm going through trees and branches, I'm not getting stuff hung up on the riser, the rest. Because last thing, I've, I actually had that happen. I got snagged up on my... Um, on my rest or my cage and I took a shot on something and it was off by about three feet. Oh man. Wow. Of the, right. Well that, and I thought, thought back, I was like, Oh yeah, this morning coming in, I got hung up on something. I just did a really big aggressive shoulder turn to get through it. Well, why would I expose my bow to that? So from then on I got right. and Now I basically encase my bow in my jacket so that I can make it through the field easy peasy without having to expose my bow to that stuff. So yeah. So yeah, I, I, I wrap all that up, bungee it up, and away we go. But with the hoodie that's coming, you'll have that capability too. Sweet. So sweet. Best of both worlds for the guys that on the really cold days and you want your jacket walking in, you've got it. To your point, you can still run your vest. That was, that's going to work. Or on a lighter, cooler day, you can just run your, your hoodie. Nice. I'm all about that, man, honestly. I, I typically run a lot smaller backpack because I find if I run the bigger backpack, I fill it with stuff. So yeah, <laughs> having totally that, agree. yeah, it, I mean, that's how I feel like everybody kind of does. I, I, don't, I know Charles has been very quiet about this, but he runs the world's largest backpack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I haven't bought a frame pack yet. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, you it's know, unbelievable. I, I spent this off season going in through, um, I'm, going, I'm getting so far right or far left on this concept, but I actually picked up a, um, an airsoft harness or two. Really? And it's basically just an H-frame. That runs over your shoulders that I can buckle my bow to. So it wears like a backpack, but there's no pocket or contents to it. Oh, I, just, I want the medium of being able to travel my bow with my hands free or my sticks and my bow with my hands free. So now I've just gone to H-frame airsoft gear. And all, it's got all the molly that I could ever ask for. And I'm, I'm going in. Done. So no like backpack it. now for Scott. No backpack now for Scott. I like it. I was trying to get to a lumbar pack for next year, but we will see. <laughs> I believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, coming from coming from the frame pack to the lumbar, that's a pretty big step. That's great. Yeah. I'm trying to make big steps here, Scott. Okay, I'm a changed man. You know, 
I sit in my basement before the season and I go through that backpack probably three times and I'm like, well, but what if this happens? And exactly. You know, just like you said earlier, well, I might need this, you know, and I end up with the same shit in my backpack at the end of every single year. You know where that stuff belongs? It belongs in the the cooler in the truck. There you go. There you go. Right next to the beer. Yep. Well, I, so I say that I, for me, I, this was one of my first lessons I ever learned in hunting. Um, I was hunting with a, a father son combo and we were walking out and he's, he's getting into his gear and he's putting all of his stuff into this gigantic, like, I don't, this is before Yeti and all that stuff, the long Coleman coolers. And that's where all their stuff lived. And I said, wow, why do you have this cooler? He goes, well, what if you shoot something? And I went, well, I don't know. And he goes, why would you ever go hunting and not be prepared to, to actually harvest something? So <laughs> you should always have a cooler with you. If you don't have a cooler, you're not really ready to hunt. I was like, you know what? I love that concept. And ever since then, I do all my storage of all my gear, hunting gear in my cooler. So it's great for sealing for um, travel. You know, I've got my scent bag, which goes into the cooler, which is then shut, which is then closed. So all my car odor and all that stuff doesn't cut doesn't touch it doesn't get to it all my gear is in there i've got this nice little locker portable locker if you will that sits and I, I run a jeep i got a jeep cherokee so a small one at that and it runs down the back of my jeep and just like this year harvested something dump all that stuff into the floorboards and now i've got something i'm not putting a bloody deer under my the back of my jeep it goes into the cooler it works <laughs> I have never heard of anybody say that before, but that is such a cool concept, and I might take that with me. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense. It really does. It really does. It does, because I don't know how many times we've, we haven't brought it with us, but as soon as we get home, that's the first thing we do is dump the deer into the cooler. Yep. Overnight, you know, on those little bit too warm of nights. Yep. Get it into the cooler. That's a great idea, and I really, I really like the idea of, like you said, keeping your stuff in there it keeps it dry. It mm-hmm. keeps it away from the scent inside of your vehicle. That's that's a new one. I might yeah. uh, might have to take you up on that one. Please, I'm like my my boots. My, all you know when I I come out of the field, I change boots into my driving shoes, and my boots go into that same cooler. That's fine. All that scent is good. The mud and the dirt and the muck and all that stuff that I walked into it being in that cooler is even better for anything that's going to be exposed in my mind brilliant i'm all okay with that and when i get home and i don't go hunt for two weeks and i've got to do my real job and i've got my manager going to be with me and like why do you have a bow and a cooler in your back that's not going to fly <laughs> so out of the jeep into the garage it goes and pull it right back out and i'm i'm rolling again i and like just, it it's so easy my driving shoes are crocs by the way <laughs> oh i see i can't hear crocs and not think of brett Favre's texting picture Oh God! <laughs> yeah. it, it Crocs were ruined forever with that. Crocs were ruined forever. I might have to get throw my Crocs out now, <laughs> yeah. especially if they're green. They are purple, real tree purple, edge. I don't remember. They're real tree edge. Yeah. Yeah. Mine are. They're appropriate. Mine are oh yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have camo Crocs. You have to. <laughs> Just in case you forget your boots. Right. Right. You know, I wanted. I wanted out of dress shoes once. I, I have to all the way across a muddy cut cornfield in dress shoes, but I was not going home. <laughs> we have Maybe gotten so far do. off track. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're in clothing. This is all relevant. Yeah, it's all relevant. There you go. 
So what else you got? So you have the jacket out. You have the hoodie um, cup. The yeah, hoodie's coming. Have? So the pants that are already existing. Um, so the Ascender pants, uh, we'll start from the bottom, work our way up. Traditional boot cut, you know, you've got your zipper in uh, that goes from your – I put it on the inside of the ankle instead of the outside. Um, don't chastise me yet. There's a great, good reason for it. Um, so that zipper goes up to about the inside of the knee, so you've got plenty of space to slide your boot through, no problem. Um, on the outside of the leg is a 4-inch by 10-inch pocket um, down on the calf. And that's that's real estate that's never really been used before from a pocket perspective. Um, and a guy messaged me, and he's like, hey, I've got some critiques. I'm, you might want to consider this. And one of those ideas was putting something on the calf. Um, and I cannot remember his name. I wish I could. I'll give him credit if he ever raises his hand. I, I'm really thankful for him. And he, he said, here, try to use the calf. And so I was like, well, what can I put there? What are the things that we need that make sense? And so the thing, there are two things that resonated with me. One was my saw, my you know, tree trimming saw for private land. Um, the other one was a bow hoist rope. You know, you put your bow on the ground, you run that rope. Well, what do you do with it then? It, most people will say you put it back in your backpack. Well, I, that's not what I want to do. So I'd, I run my paracord. And I don't know if you've ever, you guys have ever seen that methodology where you you tuck the string through your middle fingers, your, yeah, your middle two fingers, and then you do figure eights through your thumb and your pinky, and then you kind of wind it up, the very end of the last two feet, you wind it all, and it feeds out without ever knotting up. I don't, have you guys ever seen that? I have no. not, but oh, I have man, the world's it's... worst bow rope, so. Okay, <laughs> you guys you guys have to see this. If I can find the link, I'll get it to you. But again, basically, you, you take the hook, you take, so for me, 550 paracord, get 30 feet of it. You put little simple D clips on one in, on both ends of it. Do them different colored so you know which one you're working with. The hook that you want to go attached to something, you put through the from the back to your palm, and then you run a figure eight with the rest of the rope. The last two feet, you pull that bunch that you pull that figure eight off your hand, and the last two feet you wrap around like you're wrapping a hot dog or a you know a pipe, if you will. And then what that original that pocket was originally for in my prototypes is I I cut a slit at the bottom of it of that pocket, and so it wasn't completely sewn. And I would take this bunch, and I put a, a D loop above the pocket, and you could feed in this nice little tight compact thirty foot of rope down into that pocket with the hook that's going to attach to your bow coming out the bottom of the pocket. You clip that to your bow. You ascend your steps. Take all the time you want. Whenever you're done. You reach down, and there you've got your bow hoist rope attached. And then you feed it up. Boom, done. You take it all out, and you start the process over, and you tuck it right back in there. <laughs> and that was it, it just, again, really nice, really simple, smooth, efficient, boom, stuff. But there was it just kind of got, because you attach that D-loop, you kind of have to unthread that loop and then start the whole process over. And I was like, eh, guys probably aren't going to go that route. But the pocket is still makes a lot of sense because you, I still live my rope. My rope still lives in there, and I don't think guys really need to do the feeding through the leg. That's just kind of getting a little overkill. But it's great for a saw. It's great for snips or shears or more rope. You know, if you've got a catch rope or any of those kinds of things that you want to pack in, your back band, perfect for that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And for me, all that stuff, that I, what I put in there is my bow rope um, and then my, um, my aider. Or my nader, excuse me. Great place for your nader. You take your nader off, where is it going to live? You put it into a different pocket three different times, and now you're wondering where it's going to live. No. 
put it back and right there on your pocket. It goes next to your knee, make it live next to your knee, leave it in there. And when you wash your gear, it's going to stay there. It's still in it. You can button it up, put it through the wash right there. It's all going to get washed together and done. Perfect. Nice and simple. And then as you come up, everybody knows cargo pockets. There's nothing sexy about cargo pockets until you see mine. (laughs) 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 So um, in a seated position, and this isn't anything completely new, but in a seated position, you use a traditional cargo pocket. You pull that flap open or you open up the buttons stuff tends to fall, like gravity takes over, you fumble something as it's coming out, and that thing's fallen, it's gone, right? Well, in a parallel position, what would be the front of the pocket is now facing the sky. So I put a zipper on that, so now you run your zipper open, and now you've got a pocket that gravity works for you instead of against you, and it actually holds, it becomes the face of the pocket instead of your traditional cargo flap. In that cargo flap, I put about a two and a half, three inch gap that allows for your you know, snips to go through, a pocket knife, whatever you want to. It's a drop slot, if you will. And that slot goes through the overall flap, the cover flap, and into the cargo pocket. So that when you're seated, you can open up that front zipper and get whatever you dropped into it as you as you want. Little simple things. Yeah. On the inside of the thigh, that same gentleman that mentioned the pocket on the calf said, hey, you need to put something on top of the thighs. And I was like, well, that's kind of an interesting thought. Everybody's using the lateral side. Nobody's using the top. I said, you know, that just feels kind of weird. You know, you put your hands there and you could have something on top of your thigh. As I, I was literally sitting in, um, I was in my saddle and I'm doing that. I'm, I keep patting the tops of my thighs. I'm like, what would that be like? How do I get to it? Can I move it? Can I, I just don't really like that. But and then my thumbs keep hitting the inside of my thighs when I'm tapping them. And I was like, oh, well, look where my thumbs are. Well, that feels different. And in a saddle position, that's basically where your hands are anyways. It just drops right into it. So now you've got a spot that's really good for, yet again, your phone, your a rangefinder, potentially a tube, a grunt tube if you wanted to, a sandwich, whatever. Nothing that is overly bulky, but just the space there on the inside of your thigh. You're not seeing that on any other company. Um, and then D-loops in front of your front hips to attach your nader suaders. Or in my case, what I do now is my rangefinder goes on my right, my grunt tube goes on my left. And so I've got the, the little elastics, you know, the, what are they called? The retractable holders, the retractable clips. So my yep. grunt tube is on a retractable clip on my left, and my rangefinder is on a retractable clip on my right. And I know, just out of habit and repetition, I don't have to look. I know where that tube sits on my body. I know where my rangefinder sits on my body. I don't have to go finding, looking for it. I can just grab it, pull it up, make the call, drop it. It's going to go back to its spot. Same thing with range finding. And then it, it doubles great for a, a nade or suede or anchor point. Yeah. That makes total sense, man. There's you put some serious thought into this stuff and it's it's something that somebody probably thought about in bits and pieces <clears throat> and no one ever put it together with everything. You know what I mean? Everybody's right. probably had the one idea. You've kind of like thought of it all, man, and put it all into one set of pants, one coat, everything. It's it's kind of mind boggling. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you, man. There, there's so many pockets. I'm kind of wondering which pocket would be best for my nutty buddies. <laughs> that would be the inside of the jacket pocket, close to your heart. Yeah, but then it might melt. <laughs> Are you, you running that hot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was thinking kidney pocket. Yeah, kidney's a good spot. 
you know i well not only that you know who doesn't like a little bit of a frozen nutty buddy you know yeah that's a good point yeah that cool chocolate that's good brings the cool deer chocolate. right in too i'm telling you <laughs> There's been some weird circumstances with Nutty Buddies, man. I'm telling you. It's like magic potion. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I think it's multiple deer with a Nutty Buddy sitting on the seat platform of a tree stand. Multiple o- deer. Open or closed? Open. I just open. Left. One open, one closed. Is that baiting? <laughs> that's a good one. Is that a, is that considered an attractant? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Well, that peanut, you got that peanut and that sweet chocolate. Uh, yeah, as long as they don't peanut allergy, I think I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which in today's time is apparently like 20%. Oh, is it that high? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's a little societal joke there, cultural jerk. Yeah, it's good, man. All right, so I'm going with the kidney pockets from the Nutty Buddies. That is brilliant. Done. And that, uh, that soft shell is going to quiet it down. So. Yeah, and so uh, that soft shell is a waterproof. You know, I didn't touch on that before, and I'm, I'm kind of remiss for doing it. Um, so that the material of the stuff, uh, both the jacket and the pants, is a soft shell waterproof jacket. So wow. it, it's it's pliable. When it comes out of the package, and anybody that listens that buys it, don't be scared. And I'm going to send it to you when I send you when you send you your gear. It's going to come out of the packaging, and it's going to feel stiff, and it's going to sound stiff. That's because it is. Um, it hasn't been manipulated. It got printed, got sewn, and it's been sitting in a bag for several weeks if not months by the time you get it um throw it in your washing machine wash it twice and it's going to be soft as butter you won't hear anything sound is gone and it's super super supple so that that it's going to allow it's going to allow you to breathe from a temperature and a wind perspective it's not a full wind stop but it is definitely a wind reducer drastic wind reducer and it is waterproof um drew sat in a four-hour rain uh this past year in bone dry Walk. He said he walked through a mile of swamp, and his socks were wet or were dry. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable, man. Yeah. Well, um, I didn't mean to cut you off on the pants. Were you done with the with the pants? Yeah, I think I think we're good. I think I covered the, the nuts and bolts of it. That's pretty amazing. There is definitely, like Austin said, a lot going on there. And you know what's the most exciting? Most people at this point, they're probably thinking, yeah, but come on, man, this is just going to be another Sitka guy. This is another yeah. this is another first light product. I'm going to pay hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars and all in. I'm going to be over a thousand bucks probably on this series. I'm yeah. impressed at your price point. I'll be honest with you. Well, For everything you offer, I don't think you're going to get better value, better bang for your buck. You can't. And I, and so we haven't said the price, and so I'll go through it. So I'm going to do kind of a recap of the whole call just real briefly. And that this is not – I don't want to call it a pitch, but it's definitely something that I say in expos when I talk to people who, who come see the brand. They get to feel the material. They get to see it, and they, they, they're, they're in, and they're trying to decide what they want. So with the Versalite set, you get one set, shirt, pants, face cover, and a, a matching pair of gloves – that's head to toe with two different patterns, tree stand and hardwood. With the Ascender series and the vapor pattern on it that's on there, they again, half your body is light, half your body is dark. With those two sets alone, those two sets, old head to toe sets, you can go from January 1st from predator season in the snow all the way through your turkey, into your early bow, into your late bow, and into muzzleloader in the latter weeks of December 
with two sets of my gear for less than 500 bucks. $450, save the last 50 for a couple drinks and a beer or a couple drinks and a burger, and you're under 500 bucks. Unbelievable. For your year of hunting and two sets of my gear, $450. That is one pair of socks at Sitka, guys. No, I'm not. I'm not blue collar worker but i don't i still i can't fathom spending eight hundred nine hundred thousand dollars that's two car payments or a mortgage for most people yeah on gear now granted it's your it's the number one thing you do it's your hobby it's your passion i get all that but if you have alternatives and now you know that there's an alternative for you why would you go spend that kind of money especially if the gear itself and the imagery on the gear doesn't do what I know that my designs can do for you, the encounters and the experiences that you have with these designs are unparalleled. And that's why, to your point earlier, guys posting what their stuff is, guys going on and posting on their pictures and how they love it and why they defend it. If you know, I'm not a big social media guy. I don't do a lot of spend a lot of time defending my brand on Facebook. But if somebody pops up, hey, what do you think of broadside camo? You're going to have an army come at you because they're passionate about it and they're loyal to it because they believe in what it's done for them and they know how good the gear is. And it, it doesn't have to be a thousand dollars. Yeah. There's really something to be said for that there too. Oh, it's humbling as a, as the guy that created that. It's, it's so amazingly humbling. It's I can only never imagine what I intended, but <laughs> such a blessing. Yeah, no, I can only imagine that really has to feel good, but just the fact that that many people are like so passionate about it. I mean, wow. Wow. Yeah. And I say it often. If, if the bigger companies, you know, pick your poison on which one it is. Yeah. Had the stuff that, you know, my ingenuity and my designs on their label with their fan fandom or following. Oh my gosh. What they would charge. And it would be the absolute, it would be the pinnacle, if not the gold standard of what should be, people should be wearing. Yeah. And you know what's that. funny about that, Scott? People would buy it for the price they were asking, but yet those same people might look at broadside camo and go, ah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And it's a it, third, it's a quarter, it might even be a, a tenth of the price. I'll guarantee you'd be under a tenth of the price of what a competitor would charge for that. Oh. It's amazing. Yeah. To me growing up it's been the same thing with all kinds of products you look at apple you look at under armor you look at a lot of main brands that are very reputable very good products but at the end of the day you are paying for the name no hands down 100 percent. 100 percent. so i i appreciate what you're doing for not only us hunters and you know tree stand hunters saddle hunters uh, everyone you everyone can benefit from what you have here in four different categories or packages if you want to call them that yeah it's pretty impressive man i, I really like it done appreciate that yeah man yep. i'm right there with you but we are getting closer to time scott i don't want to cut you off but there is one thing that we always love to do with our guests and we want to hear right we want to hear a great hunting story man it can be a success it can be a failure it can be your first year anything do you have a favorite story that you like to tell a favorite hunting story i did this um yeah i actually it was this past season november 3rd Ooh. yeah so a texas guy right go back to my history where i came from so the first five years of my hunting career corn feeders see you at seven thirty was the way that i hunted 
Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not knocking it cause I did it and I love it, but I never understood hunting the way that I understand it now. Now I'll be that elementary as it is now. I have such a different appreciation for these guys that go public sight unseen or even if it's not public and it's private and they're trying to figure it out without the ability to bait or they just choose not to regardless, such a different thing. So I, get, I move up to Michigan, December of 18, no, sorry, December 17. I find, I get onto a little hunting lease. I, got, I find like 25 acres to hunt right next to a highway. And I cannot get on a deer to save my life. Like I, I can see them, but never closer than like 60 yards. And I'm going, wait a minute. Man, I've been doing this for six years. Why can I not get on a deer? And I really, like, I don't know how to find bedding. I don't know how to find travel routes. I don't know how to find, how to pattern them. When I, I was so upside down clueless. Um, and I, I, could, I was starting to get close at the end of the year, but season here is just so short. Boom, it's gone. Well, this year I get onto it. October wasn't very good. Here we are coming into, you know, end of October, early November. And I finally get this thing dialed in. I'm like, boom, this is their travel pattern in the morning. They come in off this field. They go down through this ditch. They come up and they're going to be coming my left to right. I'm in the, I'm in the right spot. I find a set. The wind is right. You know, I'm watching it and I'm, I'm saddle, right? For the first time I'm saddle hunting. So I don't, I'm not married to fixed lock on positions in a private land setting, which is what most private land guys do, right? Yep. I've got land. Nobody's going to be on it. I, I'm going to put it on this tree and that tree and I'll just hunt whatever wind is appropriate. And because of the saddle, it freed me up to do what I wanted to do as situation demanded. So the wind is coming in out of the northwest, straight to the down to the southeast. Perfect for this trail. I come walking in. I go, there's my set. There's my trail. I'm going to pick that tree. I've, I've got my red light, so I'm kind of figuring it out. So I get up on it, and sure enough, I hear the splash. I mean, it's like a loud splash because this is a ditch, like a drainage ditch. So I hear that, and so I start getting ready, and I start looking, and I'm not seeing anything. And by this time, leaves are already starting to fall, so I, I had pretty good visibility. It's not like she should have just popped up onto me and like a ghost she was in on my my strong side probably about 18 19 yards walking and i'm going oh my gosh i gotta get all this stuff ready i'm trying to get my turn my phone on to get a kit and then it was like screw it you know what just get the shot off Here, this is the, your best chance your only chance in two years hunting in michigan this is as tight as you've gotten so i i, I put my release onto my string onto my loop on my left side and I close out and I, I don't have a left sided platform. This is one of the reasons why I run two now. I don't have a platform on my left to roll around and stay on strong side. So I have to raise up over my bow, get to my weak side, do a little bleat and pop her at 14 yards. Boom. And it, it, this whole thing happened so fast. You guys probably can appreciate that. And I was going, Oh my gosh, <laughs> she does the big kick and she's tearing too. And she's gone. And she gets to it. She kind of goes out of way and I can hear it. Russell boom, boom. And I hear what sounds like a crash and I'm on cloud 15, nine doesn't, I can't touch it. No, I can't I'm touch 15. it. <laughs> and I'm geeking out and I grab my phone and I'm starting to do, you know, I, I'm trying to run a, a brand here. So I got trying to have a, you know, somewhat of a social media presence and personality and I'm filming myself. Oh my gosh, I just got my first buck and, or my, not buck, buck, but first year in Michigan and out of the saddle and it was weak side and I hear, oh crap. I look down and I got a spike walk in that exact same trail. I was like, oh man, I, I can double up. Yeah. Hell yeah, I can double up. Hell yeah. And so I I take my phone and put it in my pocket and I kind of fumble it 
and I get it in, and I make this big motion to catch it, and he snaps his head up and look, and I just freeze. I lock up. And he puts his head back down. I was like, oh, finally, yes, it works, just like it's supposed to do. So what it always does, I've got confidence in my gear. That's what it does. So now I'm feeling overly confident, right? So I'm reaching for that second arrow to knock, and oh, my God, <laughs> I take that arrow, and I clink it on. It hits the rope, or it hits the tree, bounces out, and it hits this little camera arm, little half camera arm that I've got set up, and makes this double click, and he's like, hell no. I gave it to you once. I'm out the door. He's gone. Yeah. All right, fine, fair. So I have this this success, and I'm like, oh, I almost could have had another one, but I, I laugh at myself because I'm human. And I'm sitting there for like uh, 45 minutes. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to give her time. And as I'm as I'm giving her time, I'm, I'm texting people, and I'm you know sending all the messages that we do, and we're so happy, and like, yeah, we got something. And I, I pull up my binos, and I'm I'm trying to find a blood trail on the leaves, and I. I I run a, a broadhead that, for me, always gives just, like, massive, massive blood trail. Like, it's not a trail, it's a path. It's always, it has never not been just an absolute bloodbath of a trail. And I can't see a drop with my binos. Now, mind you, I took, I took her at 14 yards, so I'm, I'm tight. Yeah. I should be able to see something on the ground, even 20 yards away from where I shot her. I should see something by that point, and I'm not. Oh, so what no. happens? Doubt starts creeping in. And I'm like, oh, no, what if it, and I'm trying to replay it in my mind, and I'm like, the arrow sitting in the ground, it looks kind of flat. Oh, maybe I didn't get it. Maybe I went over her back instead. I don't know, and I'm, I'm just wrestling with it, and I'm not hearing, oh, man. I'm trying to, I don't know. I, oh, I hear, ch, 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 ch. Well, now I've got my bow already knocked from the second arrow that I fumbled with the spike, and sure enough, I've got a doe coming from my 1 o'clock to my 7 o'clock. Oh, now she's strong side. She's about 19, 18, 19 yards. And I went, you know what? She's a little small. Not really the kind that I want, but I like I've got a, I know I've got a good buck in this area and I I need to know for my own self and need to know that I'm doing this right and that I I can do this. I got to keep my confidence up. So this is like a, a slump buster if you've ever heard of that term before. Oh yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like I I need to make sure that I I can do this. And so she's she's starting to trail away, quartering away, a bleed her out. I take her, ended up being about twenty two. She goes fifty and drops. Oh, like, yeah! <laughs> now I'm really through the moon because I've I've got this stress, and now I just did it. I'm like, okay, cool, I'm done. And so I'm coming down, and I'm a verbal thinker. What I call it, air quotes. If you could see my the number of air quotes I'm doing right now, I'm a verbal thinker. I talk out or I think out loud all the time. And so I'm coming down out of this tree, and I'm like, okay, well, I can see her over there. I need to go find out if this does are here. Go to the go to the arrow that I shot first, and okay, yep, um, and I'm not seeing a trail. And then there's the first one. And so I walk it out, and I'm, I take my bow with me, and I've got my third arrow with me. And I'm walking it out, and I'm like, yes, and I'm taking pictures, and I'm <laughs> now I'm, I got it. Like, I, I've got this good trail. I'm going to find her. I know that I'm going to find her. And so I'm sending pictures, and I'm, I'm talking to my buddy, and I'm, there's a guy that I met through via saddle hunting public land here in Brighton. His name is Seth, and I'm talking to him like, dude, I, you will not believe what just happened. Like, I, I got to double up, and I had this big roller coaster. And as I hang up the phone, I look out, and my target buck is 40 yards, standing on a knoll broadside to me, and he's watching this little yearling doe about 10 yards in front of her. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, is this really going to freaking happen? Can this pot, can I possibly pull this off? 
And so I just start walking ever slow. And I'm in, I'm in my, my ascender series What's now in the ascender series, my vapor pattern. Right. Yeah. And so I'm, all the trees are bare, right? If this is November 3rd, leaves have dropped. And I just start doing the slow walk and I close down to 30 yards on this, just doing the slow walk. He's so dialed in on managing this little yearling. He's not paying attention. The co- he ter- looks over a couple times. I stand still. He looks through me, goes on about his way, and so do I. And so I ultimately get to 30. I get to a knee. I put my loop on. I start to draw, and she's over at about my three o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock position. And she sees me and busts me, sees my motion is out the door. <laughs> she blows out. She's gone. I had this perfect broadside shot on this guy at 30 yards, my target buck. And he was out the door with her and didn't like, like bail bail, but just kind of like did a, I'm an uncomfortable trot out into the field. I get to glass him and away he goes. So November 3rd, 2019, by far and away the best hunting experience of my life with a kill, a thought to be lost and almost double a true double. And then an almost triple with my target buck. So <laughs> man, yes. that was an awesome freaking story, man. Yeah. Holy cow. I felt like I was there with you, honestly. Yeah. Roller coaster of a morning, but wonderful. Roller coaster. Like six different deer, arrows flying everywhere. Yes. That's my kind of morning air. (laughs) (laughs) That's sweet November morning air. Oh, man. And that that feeling of being able to get on it. You know, not struggling the year before just to even get close. Like, I, I had not had a shot opportunity in two years. And now here I am. And it's like, oh my gosh, it went from absolutely nothing to all of that on the third. It was, it was wonderful. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Absolute chaos. That's cool, man. <laughs> that I appreciate is. that. Yeah. Thanks. Oh man. Well, if somebody out there wants to buy broadside camo or wants to get more information on it, or just, they just want to really see what the product's like, where can they find you? Where can they get more information? Where can they get a hold of you? Yep. So social media outlet, obviously Facebook, Instagram, um, on Instagram is probably the most common broadside underscore camo. If you just do the search field of broadside camo, you're going to find us fast. Um, even if you get broadside, you're going to get to me pretty quickly. Facebook broadside camo, the same thing, uh, just broadside camo website, broadsidecamo.com. Try to keep it simple. Um, think of the shot angle that you want, right? Broadside. It's right there. Everybody always talks about it. Broadside. Quartering away didn't make for a very good company name. Broadside <laughs> did. Um, so yeah, broadside camo, you'll land it there. Um, my email, if you want to send me messages and that's your methodology, you want to set up a phone call, all for it. Uh, Sam Alpha Sam or SAS at broadsidecamo.com. Real simple. Um, yeah, I'll give out my, I would give out my phone number, but you never know who would do that. But I, I'm really big in customer service, really big on having interpersonal reactions. This is just me. So yeah. my wife gives me some insight and she'll say, you know, she's kind of my guardrail sometimes, but beyond that, I'm the guy that's placing orders, filling orders. You know, if you get a package, it, it came through my hands, all the inventory stuff. I'm, I'm the guy. Um, and as such, I really like for the one-on-one. And that's why I, I can, I can sit here today, six years later, and I can name a dozen guys from across the country that I work with or that I have, I have friendships with now because they found the brand. Um, and that's that's who we are. We keep in touch. We text each other. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah. But that's because I, I genuinely care about you, the hunter. Um, from a return policy, I totally get it because we're talking about apparel, right? How loud is loud? How quiet is quiet? How does it fit? How does it comfortable? All those things are really important. 
send me a message, send me an email, send me, a, you know, give me the phone call. Um, the, the true business line is if you ever, you can guys write this down, 512-730-0303 or 512-730-0303. Real simple. That'll call me. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get it done. Um, but how's that? <laughs> Sorry, my wife's looking at me like, why are you still on the phone? Um, so sorry yeah she's good um but no on the return policy um take get this stuff wash it like i said wash it if it's not what i tell you it's going to be if it's not soft and quiet like i say it's going to be and you're just not happy with it send it back um stuff is moving off the shelf so in this case if if you want a large or you order a large and you need an xl and i run out of xls by the time you get it I'll put you as priority on the top of the list to get you when something does, or I'll refund you. Either way, um, if stuff's, if something is completely wrong for some reason, and this has happened like three or four times total in my my business history, most of the time I'm going to tell you to keep the product. I'm going to ship you a free one. I don't need a, I don't need the exchange. If you want a refund, I'll give it to you. But more than likely, I'm just going to send you a new one, no questions asked. Um, I care about you. I care about your time, and I care about your dollar. You don't need to be worrying about you. If it's just an exchange to get things right, perfect. Let's do it. Um, you never have to pay shipping with me. It'll let me rephrase that. If you spend thirty bucks at my store, which is everything but a face cover or gloves, you're going to get free shipping. Why do I need to charge you an extra nine or ten dollars when it can come out of my side? So that's okay awesome, that. man. And customer service out the wazoo. So, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's important to mention that it is just you doing all of this. You yeah, know, that that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, speaks nice. a lot to it, man. It speaks a lot to uh, what you have going on over broadside, and what you've become over the years. And um, we'll have to stick on the phone after this and maybe place an order. <laughs> Love to. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Scott. We really appreciate it, man. Oh, gladly. Yeah, thank you, man. You bet. God bless, guys. Well, huge shout out to Scott Shear again for coming on the podcast. Sorry, man, it took so long to get this out. Oh, man, what a freaking great episode. And, you know, you're always welcome to come back on. Guys, head over to his Instagram. Check it out. It's freaking unbelievable, this product. You guys are going to really love it. I mean, who doesn't want two-for-one camo? It's reversible. I mean, come on, guys. That's freaking awesome. Nobody does that. So, you can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We're not really on Go Wild and Twitter too much anymore, but you can find us there. Please head over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. Your support means everything to us. Thank you guys so much for continuing listening to us. And new episodes are on their way, guys. We're, we got some stuff in the works. I hope you guys are going to like it. All right. Until next week, the distraction is real.